You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Dr. Ben Akers. I'm the Chief Content Officer here at the Augustan Institute. And my special guest today is Dr. John Seahorn, the Dean and Professor of Theology at the Augustan Institute Graduate School of Theology. And today we're going to be talking about St. Irenaeus. His feast day is June 28th. Pope Francis just named him the Doctor of Unity. So he's going to name him a Doctor of the Church. Mm -hmm. He's already a Father of the Church, so maybe we can talk about that. Father of the Church, he's going to be named a Doctor of the Church, the Doctor of Unity. Pope Benedict XVI called him the first church theologian. Mm who created systematic theology. So a great saint. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into some of the history of you know, his context, historical context, and some of the things that he taught and what we can learn from him today. So thanks for joining me, John. Oh, my pleasure to be here, Ben. Yeah. yeah. So what's the first thing we need to know about Irenaeus? When did he live? Yeah, so Irenaeus um, lived during the second century, right? So um, he was born probably about 100 years after our Lord's Passion, around the year 130. We're not exactly sure. Um, he would he lived in Asia Minor, okay. uh, actually in the city of Smyrna. Yeah. Uh, Smyrna, you might actually know from the book, the of, book Revelation. of Revelation. Yeah. Right, where we actually have a letter from our Lord to. Uh, so is this like modern, is this like Turkey? Modern day yeah, Turkey? Yeah, modern day Turkey. Yeah. Asia, okay. Asia Minor okay. yeah, is what they, they called it in, uh, in antiquity. Uh, that's right. And, and as a kid, uh, he remembers um, uh, listening to the, uh, the Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp. Mm. And Polycarp is is pretty cool. He was um, he was martyred um, around the year uh, I want to say 155. I might be this a little right, bit off yeah. here, yeah. Um, but he talks about uh, in in the account of his martyrdom, he says that he has served the Lord for 86 years, mm. um, which a lot of scholars I think plausibly think um, suggests that he was baptized as an infant, um, right? So like 86 oh. years before that. So now we're back into what around the year 70 or so. Right, and so this is actually someone who, uh, growing up, uh, would have quite possibly had a chance to know uh, John the Apostle. This is amazing that so John, who knows Jesus, this is you know John who lays his heart on the uh, on on Christ at the Last Supper, takes Our Lady into his into his home mm -hmm. and take care of her, is the bishop of this area. He's living in the same area. Yeah, Polycarp may have heard from him, mm -hmm. met him. And then Irenaeus learns from Polycarp. That's right. So we're yeah. like we're in touch with the apostles who know Christ. Yep. That? That's right. Yeah. Very early on. Right. Yeah. So um, so seems to have grown up in. Um, so so when he writes something and teaches something, we can you know presume that it's actually coming from the mouth of the apostles. Like this is tr this is a solid tradition. Yeah. Quite a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely places where Irenaeus is kind of you know like um, you mentioned that Pope Benedict referred to him as kind of the first systematic theologian. There are places where he's kind of expanding on that and, and trying to, you know, maybe make even further connections and so forth and go um, into more detail than what he would have heard, uh, you know, directly sure. from the apostles um, through Polycarp. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we're talking about a time when actually in his own phrase, the, um, the teaching of the apostles was still ringing in people's ears. Wow. Right. That's beautiful. Okay, so he's in Asia Minor, but his title is Saint Irenaeus of Lyon, which mm -hmm. I, that's in in France or or modern day France, but Gaul. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's so right. How do West, what yeah. what happens there? How does he get over there? Well, he had these frequent flyer miles, and he just uh, <laughs> no. We uh, we we don't actually know for sure, but um, but it does seem to be the case that there was a community of Greek speaking Christians 
uh, in Gaul, uh, in Lyon, and uh, in nearby Vienne. Um, and, um, and they also had connections, a lot of close connections with Rome. Uh, Rome was a kind of cosmopolitan uh, city where people from all over the empire would settle. And so you had kind of different uh, groups of Christians. Uh, we would almost think of them as like parishes today, mm -hmm. right? Who um, maybe came from different The Polish different places. parish, the German That's exactly parish, right. Yeah. yeah. So you had like Asian parishes, meaning from modern day Turkey, Greek speaking uh, uh, Christians. So there seemed to have been some, some connections um, uh, in, in that kind of triangle, you could say, between Turkey and, and Rome and Gaul. Okay. So he, on the way, goes to Rome, somehow ends up in a Gaul. It's still part of the Roman Empire. That's right. Yep. Right. So uh, do you think this is part of one of the reasons that Pope Francis wants to call him Doctor of Unity? Because we have yeah. an East and West. Yeah. In, in fact, in, in the declaration um, uh, whereby Pope Francis made Irenaeus a doctor of the church, he, he actually says that um, he's giving him this title, at least in part, because he's a kind of bridge between uh, the East and the West. So quick aside, so what's the difference between a father of the church and a doctor of the church? Yeah, so a father of the church um, in general is someone who's distinguished by his antiquity, got to be old, mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, his holiness, holiness of life, orthodoxy of teaching, and then also just ecclesiastical recognition, this kind of like, um, even if it's not in a kind of, you know, um, official act of the church, a recognition within the church that this is someone who particularly kind of contributed to um, the life of the church in these formative, these formative centuries uh, after Christ. A doctor of the church um, is sort of one step further and specifically with respect to teaching, right? We usually think of doctor like a medical doctor, yep. um, but um, we could almost translate it a teacher of the church. I had a friend introduced me to his son. He's like, he's this is Dr. Akers, but he's not a doctor that helps people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, I tried to help their brains, you know, like learn things about the faith, but he meant medical doctor. And so what we mean is a doctor is someone who teaches the faith. So they're known for in a particular way to reflect the wisdom of God. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and Irenaeus did leave us, uh, we have a couple of his works that have survived. Um, one really short one called The Demonstration of the Apostolic Preaching, which is a beautiful little text. And then a big fat one uh, called Against Heresies. Nice. And, um, and it's interesting, you know, um, uh, a, a renowned patristic scholar that I know once said to me that, um, that this work of Irenaeus Against Heresies um, would make more sense if it was like a fifth century forgery. Right, so like something written much later, but mm -hmm. claiming to be older in order to kind of, you know, get this air of authority about it, um, just because it's so well developed um, uh, that a lot of the things that that Irenaeus puts and that in systematic there. theology that Pope that's right, yeah. was referring to. Yeah. Okay, so already in the early and you go to newadvent.org is a great resource to get mm -hmm. uh, these. If you want to read these texts, we always encourage you. Our conversation, we really hope that you actually go to the texts themselves and read the, the saints. Um, and New Advent has both of those works on there, a, tra a, a translation for free. Does it have both? It has, sorry, the first. It has, it has against heresies. heresies yeah. And then makes fragments of some of his other uh, possible writings. Okay, so already in the early church, we're in the second century, we have heresy. <laughs> yeah. Which is you know, I get, you know, taking a particular teaching of the church and distorting it uh, to an extreme. Mm -hmm. What's the heresy that they're... It, it kind of surprising, right? It's a persecuted church. Yeah. And yet they already have people that are distorting the teachings of, of Christ and the apostles. Yeah, so um, Irenaeus uh, writes, um, he actually says uh, that that what he's writing about is um, the, uh, and he's quoting here from the end of 1 Timothy, uh, knowledge falsely so-called. And the, the Greek word for knowledge is gnosis, uh, G-N-O-S-I-S. 
And so um, Irenaeus kind of uh, refers to these groups um, under the kind of blanket term of the the false the false gnosis. And so we often call them Gnostics. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that every every group that Irenaeus is writing against would would call themselves uh, Gnostics, but that is again, and, and scholars debate whether it's really the most useful. Um, term. I, I actually think it is still really helpful as, again, a kind of umbrella term to cover a lot of these different groups. Um, and in addition to the Gnostics, he wrote against Marcionites, who were followers of um, a man named Marcion, who'd um, shown up in Rome uh, in the 140s. He was from Turkey as well, but closer to the Black Sea, right? so kind of the other end mm-hmm. of Turkey from where Irenaeus was from. And, um, and he taught that uh, the Old Testament was true, but it was bad news. It mm. came from a different God uh, who had created the world and was kind of all into justice and law, but not into love and mercy. The angry God. Yeah. And that the New Testament, at least the true kind of kernel in the New Testament, um, was about Jesus Christ and his father, who was actually a different God, who had not made this world, but who took pity on us because we were sort of laboring under the regime of this um, this just and unmerciful God. That's fascinating, because I still hear that today from people in the pew. Where it's like, yeah. I like the New Testament. I don't like to read the Old Testament. That guy's yeah. angry and mean, and I don't understand what's going on there. So yeah. that's, that heresy is still with us. Oh, for sure. And, and it's actually something that, that Marcion and Marcionism sort of shares with the Gnostics. Now, they, have, they kind of tell different stories behind it, but uh, both of them thought that the Old Testament at the end of the day was sort of to be um, laid at the feet of, uh, of a, a kind of lesser God, like someone who wasn't um, the good and loving father of Jesus Christ. Um, and who may or may not have been responsible for this creation. So they share these interesting things in common, right? Um, a disdain for the Old Testament, which we'll talk about more, but then also a disdain uh, for this creation and, mm. and the creator of, of this creation. It's interesting to see how these are connected. Um, I, I don't want to leave this unaddressed, yeah. though. As, as you said, I do think that this is something that's still with us, um, even in really subtle ways, right? So um, I not uncommonly encounter the view, uh, even among Christians and even sometimes among Catholics, um, that it, it somehow Jesus rejected the Old Testament or some parts of the Old Testament or something like that. Now, it's true that the light of Christ illuminates the Old Testament and allows us to see the fullness of God's plan and to see each part of the Bible in light of that of that whole. But nonetheless, we believe that Jesus is the eternal son of the Father. He is the same God who gave us the Old Testament, right? And the church teaches unequivocally, I'm pretty sure it's Catechism 123, uh, paragraph 123, oh, you've got it there, yeah. uh, that just says that um, that we affirm that the Old Testament is the is truly the Word of God, is yeah. truly the Word of God. Right? So what are the ways, so I know, you know, for the, this is just a short podcast that we have, but what were some of the kind of the key points of Irenaeus' arguments against those heretics? Or kind of the, the the pillars on which he's going to argue from. Yeah, sure. So, um, so one of the things that Irenaeus really wants to show is, well, first of all, he um, he really understands his opponents very well, and this is something that for a long time scholars said, well, maybe he's not very reliable. You know, he's kind of he's their opponent. So, you know, and there are places where you might say, well, maybe this wasn't you know quite as precise as it could be. But as we've discovered some of these texts from these Gnostic groups. Um, we've actually found that Irenaeus was was quite accurate. He mm. knew exactly what he was talking about. So one of the things he does is he tries to show the internal incoherence of uh, these sort of like belief systems that the Gnostics were pro- were proposing. But then he also knows that he needs to kind of make the positive case as well. 
So especially in um, in the last few books of of uh, against heresies, he's no longer really writing against the heresies so much as trying to give an account of how the entire canon of scripture tells us a single unified story, mm. right about um, about an economy, a, a, a system, a plan of creation, of redemption, of salvation that is the work of one God through his one eternal son who becomes incarnate, right? Jesus Christ, um, and by the power of his one spirit. That's beautiful. That It's a great lesson for us of if you're going to engage with people that don't share the same beliefs, mm-hmm. understand their position. Don't blow them off. Don't right. ignore yeah. it or just exaggerate. Just actually like seek to understand their position so that mm-hmm. you can give the correct response or mm-hmm. at least the Christian response to that. Um, and you know another another yeah. kind of pillar you were asking yeah. about the the pillars of his response, and this kind of gets back to Pope Francis naming um, Irenaeus Doctor of Unity, right? He comes from Asia, he spends time in Rome, he goes up to Gaul, and even though it's they don't have email, they have you know they have a pretty good mail system in the Roman Empire, but they don't have instant communication. Um, but Irenaeus really shows us how profoundly interconnected all these kind of far flung Christian communities were. And so one of the arguments he makes for the trustworthiness of the Catholic faith um, is the fact that you can find it um, anywhere you go. And he has a a beautiful passage where he says, you can go to Britain, Mm -hmm. you can go to Syria, you can go to Egypt, you can go to all these different places, and you'll find Catholic Christians confessing the same faith. And that faith comes to them from the apostles. And so Irenaeus, is um, he's not the first, but he's one of the first uh, writers outside the New Testament um, who teaches really clearly about what we call apostolic succession, right? The idea that the apostles have entrusted the deposit of faith to their successors, the bishop, um, and the bishops, and and that um, tracing out those lines of succession allows us to see not only kind of the unity of the faith in different places, but the continuity of the faith over time. Handed out over the church. I was struck as I was preparing for this. I was looking through. Um, I opened the catechism as I often do, and I, I looked in the back to see how many times St. Irenaeus is quoted. Mm-hmm. He's 28 times, which that's actually a big number for saints if you're going through the catechism and looking. Yeah, Saint, how many times are you quoted in the catechism? Zero, 100% mm. answer well, zero. Life goals. Life goals, yeah, exactly. Well, it, I love the answer to when Pope Benedict was asked that when he was just Joseph Cardinal Rassiger and he was in charge of the editing, people complained that there weren't modern theologians and contemporary theologians mm. in there. He said, because they're not canonized saints. Right. He's like, you know, you're going to find saints. You're going to yeah. find people that have, you know, met Jesus Christ, were disciples of Christ. They can hand on the faith. 28 times, but the very first time he's quoted, it's in 173, and this struck me, and it's under the heading of only one faith about the unity, because it starts off with the quotation from Paul about, you know, one Lord, one baptism, mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. that passage, one God, the Father of us all. And then in 172, it says, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, a witness of the faith, declared. And then 173 is a whole quotation from against the heresies. And then 174 and 175 as well. So three paragraphs in a row is just full quote of Irenaeus yeah. on this theme where he said that about the apostles, those scattered throughout the, the church, scattered throughout the whole world, even to yeah. the ends of the earth, have received the faith from the apostles and their disciples. So he's thinking of mm-hmm. Polycarp, mm-hmm. who's been disciple. That's right. Guards the preaching of faith with care as dwelling about one single house, believing have but one soul, one single heart, with a unanimous voice, possessing only one mouth. Beautiful. So the unity, just one, one, one. Mm-hmm. And so I was really struck when, 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 when I did hear Pope Francis say that he was going to be declared the doctor of unity, I was like, 
oh, I wouldn't have put unity. I would have put maybe recapitulation, that idea of, you know, that's a theme that comes out in his theology yeah. or something, a doctor of the church. But unity, the more I reread this, I was like, oh, that actually is kind of a fitting No, that's title. beautiful. And, and, you know, with that, that point about unity, one church, one faith, one God working out one plan of salvation for his good creation and leading it to one end, right? And, um, and that's, that's maybe a, a beautiful place to end would be to, to think about um, how Irenaeus talks about um, what, what that yeah, whole the plan yeah, like, the... brings us to. Yeah. Um, and, and then also the unity of all humanity, um, right? Because Irenaeus is, is one of the first um, teachers of the faith to really emphasize what we sometimes call deification or divinization, the idea that we're created not just to like get off the hook, not just to avoid hell, and not even just to end up in a paradise where we can eat delicious fruit or whatever, but actually to share in the very life of God, right? I mean, this is something that's taught in sacred scripture, but that's really brought out beautifully by Irenaeus. He's, uh, he actually was the first to write explicitly, the son of God became son of man so that sons of men, having received his word, might become sons of God. Hmm. Unpack that for me, because that's a that that is a troubling. Because there's a whole section in the Catechism where it has, just has three saints in a row say that from different time eras and different. Yeah, I think east it's, and west. it's Augustine, Athanasius, and Aquinas. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and then so Irenaeus also said it. Irenaeus did say so it. So yeah. what 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 how am I supposed to understand that deification? So like, am I supposed to be? Do I am I become a god? How does, um, yes, the fathers god? will actually <laughs> sometimes say that they will yeah. actually. So Augustine actually says that the true God makes his worshipers gods. Hmm. Now, of course, that doesn't mean gods in the kind of a Greco-Roman sense or like maybe the way um, Latter-day Saints talk about it or something like that. Um, But rather, um, the the point is that because we're made in the image and likeness of God, our vocation goes beyond anything that we could even dream of in just our natural capacities. Um, But that God, by his grace, can elevate our hearts and our minds to share in his own love and knowledge, right? So think about what Jesus says to his father in John 17, I think it's verse three, right? This is eternal life, Mm -hmm. that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And that knowledge there, that intimacy, is actually what he himself shares with the father. And so it's not just that we're sort of like elevated into superhumans, it's we should think of it more as being embraced into the Trinitarian communion that that Jesus has always shared with his Father in the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. And you mentioned John 17, 3. That's actually how the catechism begins. It's the very first, before you even get to paragraph numbers, it's the very right. first yeah. passage of Scripture. And St. Thomas Aquinas did the same to begin his compendium of theology. Mm-hmm. So it's a great verse. Uh, John, thank you for joining me. Thanks for all your work you do in the graduate school. Um, if someone's interested in pursuing a degree in graduate theology, what would you say to them? Do it. to look do it <laughs> <laughs> no I mean if, if if that's something you're interested in um, you know we take students who don't have any background in theology beforehand but um, we think it's really important for people to go deeper in their faith uh, in service of the church so if you're interested in that at all I'd encourage you to get in touch with uh, with Rachel Gilmore who's our admissions director and so they can also and I was just thinking that this is what Irenaeus did disciple of Christ was called to be a bishop became a great teacher and defender of the faith, possibly martyred, we don't know, it's, it's kind of unclear yep. at the end of his life, yep. but but definitely was willing to give his life if, he would, if it was going to be asked of him. Yep. Um, and we're all called to do the same, to know Jesus Christ, and the more we know him, the more we're going to love him and be a witness to our family and our friends to build up the church. So thank you for joining us on this uh, discussion about Catholic saints, especially St. Irenaeus today. 
You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.